Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. In spite of all the craziness going on in the world, we've got some great information for you. So this week and next week, I'll be talking about Medicare and Social Security benefits. My special guest, Eddie Holland, the CPA and Certified Financial Planner, is with me in the studio today. And I always grab Eddie when we want to catch up on some good good. Uh, Boring but necessary information on government benefits like Medicare and Social Security. Welcome, Eddie, to the microphone once again. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. So today's a little different. We're recording today. It has nothing to do with any viruses or anything. It just has to do with the time schedules. If we say something today that piques your interest and you want more information about it, you can go on to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. TalkingMoneyRadio. It's all one word, no spaces, no dots. TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And then it'll get you right to the place where you can ask Mike a question. So you can ask any question you want to, whether it's on Social Security or some other topic. That's what it's there for. And, of course, you can also listen to previously recorded programs. So I have information on there going back a lot of years, more years than any of you would want to listen to, but it's uh, it covers a lot of subjects in that uh, archive. So if you go to the search tab, you can find the topic you're looking for. It'll pull up the radio shows that we discussed that particular topic. You'll be able to find pretty much anything you want. It's free of charge. Each program lasts about 47 minutes, and you can go put it on uh, iTunes, and you can listen to your podcast and Fast forward and do whatever you want to for that as well. But I encourage you to go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com to find that out. Of course, if you want more information just about Ronald Blue Trust and our local, the Greenville office of Ronald Blue Trust, our local phone number is 800-588-7526, 800-588-PLAN or 7526. That'll get you right to our office. You can go to Greenville at RonBlue.com if you want to send me an email there if you don't want to send it through the TalkingMoneyRadio.com website. Okay. Okay, enough of that. All right, Eddie, so we have not really spent a lot of time in the past talking about Medicare. We've spent a lot of time talking about Social Security. So today we want to spend the majority of the time talking about Medicare. There's some issues in Medicare that I think a lot of people forget, especially when it comes to the Medicare premium and how that is calculated, what income, what year they're looking at, and then what we might be able to do to help at least offset some of it or at least not be surprised when it happens. Uh, but let's go ahead and get some of the basic information out there about Medicare so people no, of course, people on Medicare should know a lot of this stuff. It might be a good refresher. Absolutely. So let's go through the, the parts of A's and B's and C's and D's and Z's and whatever else we got. Yes, and we've got quite a bit of, of planning strategy to discuss. So try not to take too much of the time talking about uh, some of the components of Medicare, but I did. Just wanted to give a basic um, preliminary baseline understanding of what Medicare is so that we can talk about some of the strategies. So Medicare is really multifaceted. There are different components, and what we're talking about today is really for anyone that is approaching their 65th birthday 
they're eligible to enroll in Medicare. Medicare has different parts. Mm -hmm. Some people call it the alphabet coverage, depending on what type of plan they're on. So Part A is actually hospital coverage. Most people say there's no premium. I say that it's simply a a, a prepaid amount. You've actually paid into this system for quite a while. Yeah, it's part of your payroll taxes that are withheld when you're employed. And so there's generally no monthly premium when you enroll in Part A. There is a deductible for 2020. That deductible is $1,408. Part B actually is more doctor visits. So that's a plan or a part of the Medicare plan that covers doctor visits. There's a monthly premium that is charged for anyone enrolled in Medicare for Part B. That premium starts at $144.60 per month. That's for the 2020 tax year. And you may have heard potentially that there are additional premiums due if you make over a certain limit, a certain income amount. And so we'll talk about uh, what that is, look what that looks like and some of the strategies to potentially offset some of that premium increase. But that really is a surtax is being charged to anyone enrolled in Part B making over a certain income limit. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about that later because that's something that I think surprises a lot of people and think, oh, how come my Medicare premium's higher now? Well, because a couple of years ago you made more money than you normally do maybe. Yes, that's correct. Now we'll talk about late penalties that potentially may be accrued or applied if someone doesn't sign up on time. Those late penalties are going to apply for Part B as well as Part D. And Part D is a drug plan that uh, covers the prescription drug cost, depending on what type of prescription drugs you may have. That's a separate cost, and that depends on some of the the various drugs that you're taking. So some people that take just generic drugs, there may not be an out-of-pocket cost for Part D. Of course. Potentially some that have more specific uh, types of drugs, they may actually have a cost involved in that. But there are late penalties that apply to Part B and Part D. And so generally speaking, I've heard kind of a a quick and fast rule is that once you turn 65 or once you start approaching your 65th birthday, you need to apply for Medicare, Medicare Part A, Part B, and Part D. And that's not always the case. So initially, as you approach your 65th birthday, there's what's called an initial enrollment period. Some people will abbreviate that IEP. That's the first th- or the, the three months prior to your 65th birthday, the month of your 65th birthday, and three months after your 65th birthday. Okay. However, if you are covered by an employer plan that has at least 20 employees, then there's not a requirement that you enroll in Parts A or B or Part D. There actually may be a reason why you would not want to enroll in Parts A and B if you're covered by an employer plan and that plan allows you to participate in a health savings account or an HSA. Now, you could be covered by your spouse. So maybe your spouse is only 63. They're still employed, and they have the requisite number of uh, employees in their in their company, so they qualify for this exception. So you could have coverage. You may be 65, 66, 67, and still be um, eligible for Medicare but because you're covered under the, your spouse's plan, you're still exempted from this. You don't have to to, um, to apply right away. That is correct. Right? Yes. And okay. so I've, I've heard some people say, well, if there's a possibility that a late penalty may accrue, why not go ahead and apply? Well, there's a little bit more to it. There's a little bit more understanding that needs to be gleaned from this before we talk, start talking about a one size fits all. Just go ahead. Better safe than sorry approach. And. I understand the concern. If the late penalties do apply and they do accrue, Mm -hmm. they can be substantial and they can be long-lasting. So for anyone that is eligible for Medicare and they don't have group coverage either through their employer or through their spouse's employer, and they miss the window to enroll, so that initial um, 
enrollment period of three months prior, mm-hmm. the month of, three months after 65th birthday. If you don't enroll in Part B when you're first eligible, your monthly premium may go up 10% for each 12-month period. You could have had Part B but didn't sign up. And that's a 10% ongoing for the rest of your life. Correct. That you're on it. That so, is correct. Yeah, so it's a big deal. If, it is. If it you is. Miss Absolutely it, it is. Yes. Get at the wrong time. Correct. And then the Part D penalty, so that's the prescription drug penalty. The cost of late enrollment depends on how long you went without Part D or credible prescription drug coverage. Medicare calculates the premium or the penalty by multiplying 1% of what they call the, quote, national base beneficiary premium. So in 2020, that's $32.74. It is a mouthful, and it's extremely boring. So you you caveated (laughs) that very well at the beginning. So you take that national base premium. Multiply that by the number of full uncovered months you didn't have Part D or credible coverage, and then that monthly premium is rounded to the nearest dime, so the nearest 10 cents, and added to your monthly Part B, Part D premium on an ongoing basis. And this is why we record these programs. You go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com later when we post this, and you can re-listen to this as often as you need to. All right, we come back from the break. We're going to talk more about the HSA uh, eligibility Being able to do it, not able to do it. Also want to talk about, you mentioned Part A, hospital coverage, Part B, doctor visits. But what about testings and things like that? Where do they fall? We want to talk about that to make sure everyone's very clear about that. So more of Talking Money. We'll be back right after this. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear bondage and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's one 800 5887526. Now back to talking money. And you are listening to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today, talking Medicare and Social Security today. Something that uh, we all, or most of us, when you get to, to an older age, you're going to need to know about these things. Whether it's interesting, boring, or not, it doesn't matter. Some of these things you just have to, to know in life. So Eddie Holland is my special guest today. He's CPA and certified financial planner and our local resident expert on all these matters with Medicare and Social Security benefits. He took it upon himself a number of years ago just to learn more about this. And Eddie teaches all of the pre-retirement sessions at Michelin talking about Social Security. So he must know what he's talking about or they wouldn't ask him to do that. At least I don't think they'd. At least they wouldn't ask you back. Right. Yeah. I'm going on. I think it's my fourth year. So yeah. uh, hopefully uh, it's it's good information yeah. for them. Anybody can talk about something one time, but if, you, if they if they ask you back, that must mean they they must like you and like what you're you're telling them, and I know they do. So uh, right before the break, we talked about the you'd been talking about Part A, Part B, Part D, and and all these things and eligibility and when you have to apply to keep from having the penalties and so forth. One thing you didn't talk about is okay, hospital coverage is a 
on part A, doctor visits on part B, but a lot of people have test runs. So they got an MRI, they got a CAT scan, they've got some other uh, blood test that the doctor said, hey, you need to get this test. That's not a hospital or a doctor necessarily. Mm-hmm. So where's that covered? Part A, part B, or, or part uh, M for medicine? Yes, yes. <laughs> so part of that, might depends on where the actual um, treatment is, is occurring. So if it's in a hospital, there's a litany of requirements, and I will not bore the listeners with all of those. Yeah, but if they're you. interested, they yeah. can go to <laughs> Medicare.gov and look under Part A or Part B, and it specifies if they're admitted into the hospital, then that potentially could be a hospital stay. If it's more of an outpatient, that's going to be covered more under a doctor visit. But really, most people aren't necessarily concerned with what part it falls under. What they're worried about is how much does it cost them out-of-pocket. Yes. So Part A and Part B have out-of-pocket expenses. Part A has a deductible. Part B has a small deductible, but Part B has a lot of coinsurance requirements. And so most of our listeners are going to be familiar with coinsurance. What that means is yeah. well, how much is the insurance company going to cover? Right. How much are you going to be responsible for uh, covering? So most of the time, people are uh, afforded the opportunity to choose between either a Medicare Advantage plan or a Medicare supplement, or some people call that a Medigap plan. Medicare Advantage plan is really going to wrap everything into one nice little sh- uh, shiny bow. So it's going to put Part A, Part B, and Part D together. Most people will call that a Part C. Medicare Advantage is known sometimes as a Part, part C. C. Right. So what that means is there's no monthly out-of-pocket costs for Part A or Part B or Part D, but there are more potential out-of-pocket costs depending on how frequently you go to the doctor, what types of treatment you have, what types of medical situations arise. So there's lower cost up front, but potentially more out-of-pocket risk on the back end. Yeah, I've heard people talk about pay me. I've heard insurance agents describe it as pay me now or pay me later. So depending on what you feel like your health situation is, and, of course, that can change. I mean, somebody says, oh, I never go to the doctor. I can do a Medicare Advantage and I'll save money. But then that's the year that they go yes. and have a bunch of things. But I guess they can change from Medicare Advantage back if they want to at the right time. So that's a great question. So the question is, uh, we get posed this a lot. If I go into a Medicare Advantage plan, I'm healthy now, and then I want to go into a Medigap or a Medicare supplement plan, can I do so? And really the, the best question to ask is why would someone want to do that? Mm-hmm. Well, to do that, really the goal is to pay a little bit more from a monthly premium standpoint so that all of the out-of-pocket costs are covered on the back end. So we serve clients from uh, a multitude of um, really strategies from this standpoint. We have some clients that I like the idea of the Medicare Advantage because they don't want to have a monthly out-of-pocket known cost for a premium standpoint. Right. We have some clients that say, I'll lock in a low monthly premium to know that I don't have to pay anything out-of-pocket later. So for those that are interested in paying a little bit upfront and have Medicare, the supplement plan, cover all of the out-of-pocket costs, you would – in turn, purchase a Part D plan or a prescription drug plan. So it's not like the Advantage plan, meaning that everything's wrapped into one Advantage plan. You're going to have Part A, Part B, Part D, and then a Medigap or Medicare supplement plan. But what that's going to cover is everything that Part A, Part B, and, and the prescription drugs does not. And so really the goal is take a little bit of risk off the table in the back end by paying a monthly premium. So the question is, can you move from an Advantage plan to a Medicare supplement plan. Mm -hmm. It depends. As any good (laughs) CPA or an attorney will always say, it depends. Here's what it depends on. If you go and it is not in your initial enrollment period, so that's a seven-month period of three months prior, the month of the 65th birthday and three months after, 
If you go into a Medicare Advantage plan outside of that, you are subject to medical underwriting going into a Medigap or a supplemental plan, meaning that if you decide for two years you want to stay on a Medicare Advantage plan and then you want to switch to a Medigap plan, let's say you've been diagnosed with diabetes or some type of cancer, your medical expenses are going to be much higher than they've been in the past. Insurance companies caught on to that many years ago, and so they're going to require medical underwriting. So it is possible that you will not be eligible for a Medigap plan because of medical conditions. So that's why some of our clients, even though they're healthy, they've chosen to go on a Medigap plan because they want to lock in that cost, that monthly cost, for the rest of their retirement, knowing that if they can get that on a monthly premium standpoint but save some out-of-pocket costs on the back end, they're willing to take that risk. The open enrollment period they talk about every year has nothing to do with going from an Advantage to a Medigap plan. It has to do with maybe changing different Medigap plans or changing Advantage plans. Correct, and it could potentially uh, mean switching from an Advantage to a Medigap plan, but it's not guaranteed issue. The only time that it's guaranteed issue is during that initial uh, enrollment period, the IEP, or a special enrollment period. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later when we talk about HSAs. Mm-hmm. But that open enrollment that occurs at the end of every year from October through mid-December, that is not a guaranteed issue. So there are people that potentially are wanting to switch from an Advantage plan to a Medigap plan that cannot. Yeah, they're stuck. Correct, they are. Okay, that's helpful information. Let's let's go back and talk a little bit about the health savings account because that's something that many, many people have decided to use pre-65, pre-retirement. And it's a great way to put some money aside. If you don't use it for health costs, then you'll have that as uh, additional retirement, really, income after after you uh, get retirement and Social Security and so forth. Uh, but there's some limitations on, on health savings account that you got to be aware of even prior to the, the date you might qualify or apply for Medicare. And I don't know if that applies also to somebody who has one of the exemptions and says, okay, I'm not filing for Medicare. So it's when you file for Medicare, not when you're necessarily eligible for Medicare. So you could still have an HSA plan as long as you were in one of those qualified um, exceptions. So what about the HSA? What are some of the restrictions there for the health savings account? So just briefly before we get into a lot of the the nitty-gritty of the HSA, just as a general rule, there are certain requirements to be eligible for an HSA. The first is that you have to be on a high-deductible health insurance plan, meaning your deductible has to be over a certain limit. And if as long as you meet that criteria, then you could potentially be eligible for an HSA. But there are requirements that for someone who is approaching Medicare age that wants to continue to contribute to an HSA, they have to abide by certain guidelines. Mm -hmm. Those guidelines are that a person cannot be enrolled in any portion of Medicare, Part A, Part B, any of that, to be eligible for an HSA. There are many times when someone will tell you when you reach the age of 65 or are approaching the age of 65, you do not, um, it doesn't cost you anything to enroll in Part A. Well, that may be on the surface correct from a premium standpoint, but what it may cost you is the ability to contribute into an HSA. Because if you enroll in Part A Medicare, even if you're not paying a monthly premium, Because you're enrolled, you're ineligible for an HSA contribution. In addition, once you reach the age of 65, if you're covered by an employer plan or a spouse's employer plan that covers at least 20 employees, then you're eligible to continue to contribute to an HSA. However, once you reach a period where you know that you're going to come off of that employer plan, 
There is a six-month look-back period. You're not eligible to contribute to an HSA six months prior to enrolling in Medicare. Here's where they get you, Mike. A lot of times when you enroll in Medicare Part A, let's say that you walked into the Medicare office or the Social Security office, enrolled or wanted to enroll in Medicare, there's going to be a six-month look-back period. They call it a retroactive benefit. So even if you started enrolling effective July 1st, they're going to say that you had coverage starting January 1st, a six-month look-back period. So if you made contributions to an HSA in January, February, March, and April, and May, and June, those are going to be disallowed because you enrolled in Medicare with a six-month look-back period. Now, I will tell you, this: I have not had this specific situation. I have read about this in articles, but I have heard that you can ask the Social Security Administration to waive that six-month look-back period. Mm. I don't know if they will or okay. not. It depends ask. on how your powers okay. of persuasion, how, how strong those are. But there's a possibility that you could uh, request the retroactive six-month look-back period not be applied. So in the case that I just used, you could potentially contribute January through June, make it effective July 1st, Part A, and then not have to recapture that HSA. And I know we're coming up on a hard break, so we'll talk a little bit more on the other side of the break about what happens if you do contribute to an HSA improperly. How do you unwind that without there being any tax consequences? Yeah, we'll cover that. We also want to cover some discussion about Medicare premiums and how that's calculated and how you you want to make sure that you're prepared for that and maybe do some things that might help you uh, reduce it or eliminate it or not eliminate it, but at least reduce it and manage it well. Let's, let's, let's say it like that. And, of course, uh, you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com to hear the replay of this anytime that uh, you want to in this one or any other shows. All right, get back to the break. We'll have more from Eddie Holland talking about Medicare and Social Security. We'll be back after these messages. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 800-588-7526 or 864-233-7405. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to the second half of Talking Money. We're talking Medicare and Social Security today. Of course, you can always go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and you can click on the radio show icon and get right to that page that has a line that says, Ask Micah Questions. You can ask your questions. So if you have a burning question you're just ready to ask, then you want to go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com to to uh, put that question in, and we'll get it on a future Talking Money show 
Next week, we will continue. This is a two-part series talking about Social Security and Medicare. So our number at the office, though, if you have a question you'd like to call directly and maybe speak with Eddie or myself, 800-588-7526. That's 800-588-PLAN or 7526. Sometimes plan is a little easier to remember, 7526. Although I usually don't like it when somebody gives a, a word for that. Then you got to look it up and say, where's the P? Where's the L? Where's the L? So 7526 is our number at the office if you want to call this next week and speak with Eddie Holland or myself about some of these issues or or something else that may be uh, pressing on your mind. So, Eddie, we're talking uh, Medicare today and mostly and Social Security next week. So there was a few thoughts you still wanted to follow up on on the health savings account or the HSA as we all know it. Yes. So before the break, Mike, we were talking about the eligibility of contributing and participating in an HSA for someone who is Medicare eligible. So anybody who is approaching their 65th birthday, as long as they are not enrolled in Part A or Part B of Medicare or Part D, then they're eligible to contribute into an HSA. And before the break, we were talking about as a person um, delays enrolling in Medicare past their 65th birthday, being very cognizant of the six-month look-back period. So I wanted to spend just a couple more minutes unpacking that just a bit. So anyone who has reached the age of 65 and is on an employer plan or a spouse's employer plan on a high-deductible health plan eligible for an HSA, as long as you're not enrolled in Part A or Part B of Medicare, then you can continue to contribute to an HSA. As you approach the point where you're coming off of that employer plan, keep in mind that there is a six-month look-back period. That look-back period starts once you reach age 65. So let's assume someone retires at age 65 and three months. They were on their employer plan for their for the entire time. They contributed to an HSA for the three months after they reached their 65th birthday. They had not enrolled in Medicare yet. Okay. They go to the Medicare, the Social Security office, apply for Medicare on their 65th birthday in three months. There's a six-month look-back period. So they were eligible for an HSA contribution until they reached age 65. But once they reached age 65, because that's in that six-month window of applying for mm-hmm. Medicare, mm-hmm. They're not eligible to make HSA contributions. So in this case, the three months before they got 865, they should have stopped. Yes. Cor- well, yeah. And then the six months. Correct. Yeah. So actually for them, they can contribute the three months prior to reaching 865. They just have to stop at 65. So 65 for them would be the hard break. Now let's contrast that with someone who is aged 65 in 10 months. Let's say that they did not enroll in Part A or Part B when they turned 65, so they're not on Medicare. Okay. Let's say that they want to continue to contribute to the HSA for the right. next 10 months. Okay. Well, once they walk into the Social Security office and apply for Medicare, there's going to be a six-month look-back period. Because that person is 65 years and 10 months, they're going to be ineligible for HSA contributions from the 65th birthday and four months to the 65th birthday in 10, 10 months. months. But the first four months, once they turned 65, so months one, two, three, and four, they were eligible because the look back is only six months. So I know it can be extremely confusing, and as you've told uh, earlier, this is one of the benefits of recording this so we, the listeners can go back and listen. So just, just a, as a recap, once you reach age 65, you need to understand going forward there's going to be a six-month look back period from that point. But the six-month period does not include 
before age 65. Correct. So you can go all the way up to 65, apply for Medicare, and be on Medicare at 65, and not have to worry about the six months prior. Because I've heard people mistakenly think, okay, no, I've got to stop six months before I get 65, but I can go all the way to 65. Correct. You can go all the way to 65, and then starting in 60 at 65, the clock starts counting the number of months. And the number of months that it's going to look back to that 65th birthday is six months. So if you're 65 and 10 months, it's only going to look back to 65 and four months. If you're 65 and six months, it's going to look back all the way to the 65th birthday. So what happens if you contribute and not not knowing that you're ineligible for HSA contributions? Let's say that you just blindly continue to contribute, and at some point you catch that. Well, hopefully you catch that by the filing date of your tax return. So we're in 2020 right now. Let's say that someone continues to contribute to their HSA, not knowing that they're ineligible because they're enrolling in Medicare at some point in the future, near future. As long as they catch those HSA contributions by the tax filing deadline next year, so April 15th, 2021, they can recapture the HSA contributions, pull those out without there being any tax penalty. So you're going to recharacterize that. And then any interest or earnings on those contributions have to be pulled out as well, and that would be where you would owe tax. But you can recapture the contribution, so hopefully you'll, you'll know what's going on and be able to prevent that. And you just prorate the amount of earnings that come out, and since it's not going to be – and you won't put it on your tax return, so it's, it's before you filed your tax returns. So you don't put that HSA contribution on there anyway, and you would have already pulled it out of the actual plan before that time, so all good. Yes, yes, <laughs> correct. That's the plan. Yes. All good. Nobody's going to jail. Absolutely, yes. Nobody's going to jail. Now, here's one important caveat. We talked about being on an employer plan or a spouse's employer plan as long as that employer has at least 20 employees covered. However, if you have started receiving your Social Security benefits, you can opt out of Part B enrollment. You don't have to pay the Part B premium, so you can opt out of Part B. You cannot opt out of Part A. So all of that information we just presented on HSAs, if someone is receiving Social Security benefits – then they are automatically enrolled in Medicare once they turn age 65. So they cannot opt out of Part A if they're receiving Social Security benefits. So anybody that's receiving Social Security benefits, HSA contributions are no longer applicable. Okay. This can uh, generate maybe more questions than answers, but I, I think it's great information for people, and your situation may be a little different. So we give you opportunity to ask more questions by going to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we can't take a live call-in question today, but we will take questions on that website, TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Click on the radio show uh, picture icon, and then that will take you to that page where you can go uh, ask Mike a question and and ask to your heart's content. Or if you want to call and talk to us directly, we don't try to to back up Eddie's time here for for the week, and everybody's got Social Security questions. We want you to listen to these programs first, Get these questions answered, and then we can always go back to to asking questions. Or if you just want to get more details, or you want to perhaps make sure that the Medicare Social Security planning is integrated with the overall financial plan, and and perhaps that we can actually help you run a blue trust. Eight hundred five eight eight seven five two six. Eight hundred five eight eight seven five two six is our number at uh, the office, or you can send an email to Greenville at ronblue.com. Greenville at ronblue.com. Okay, so we're coming up on a break, Eddie, but we want to spend some time after the break talking about the Medicare premiums because there are some, some um, I wouldn't call it hidden things, but certainly there, there are some surprises in it that, that can happen to people, and we want to make sure that our listeners at least 
course, our clients are, but we want to make sure these list, our listeners are prepared for the kind of surprises, uh, the premium increases that might come because of incomes and so forth. So, so, uh, real quickly, uh, the Medicare part, uh, that, that is the premiums, um, Give us a real quick rundown. How is that calculated? Then we'll come back after the break and, and talk some strategy. So Part B and Part D premiums, Mike, are based on income. The income determines the amount that you're paying. So the least that somebody can pay for a Medicare Part B premium in 2020 is $144.60 a month. For a married filing joint taxpayer, that's if their income is $174,000 or less. This is modified adjusted gross income. So this is not just taxable income. This is anything that's going to be reported on your tax return. For anyone with a joint income of seven hundred fifty thousand or more, the monthly Part B premium is four ninety one sixty per month. Four hundred ninety one dollars and sixty cents. That's the range, high and low. All right, we'll talk more about that after we get back to this break. So uh, just in a couple minutes, we'll take up the last section of Talking Money. Stay tuned. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller. You're listening to Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. We're talking about a very important subject, in spite of the fact that it might be a little uh, boring for some people listening to it. But it's something we all have to deal with. Medicare, Social Security is something everybody has to deal with, unless I guess you're a civil service employee, maybe something like that. But then you've got other issues you've got to deal with. So we've been talking about Medicare primarily today. Next week, we're going to be talking about Social Security primarily. So Eddie Holland's my guest, CPA. Certified financial planner with with me in my office. I didn't mention that, but at Ronald Blue Trust, so uh, I get to see him every day and ask questions as I need to. You can ask questions uh, anytime you want to to go to talkingmoneyradio.com and click on Ask Mike a question. I'll make sure that we get that question to Eddie and or myself, or call 800-588-7526 is the number to reach us at the office if you've got a more pressing need or question. All right, so we want to talk the rest of this time, probably the rest of this time, about Medicare and the premiums and some of the pitfalls that people may uh, get into and unawares, and we want to make sure they they don't. If, as long as you're listening to Talking Money, you won't, you won't be at least surprised by it. You may still like paying the premiums, but at least you won't be surprised by it. So it pays to listen is what you're trying to say. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think. Okay. And a lot of people tell me that. So anyway, so Eddie, so let's talk about uh, these Part B and premiums and so forth and the premium breakdowns. You mentioned the, the range, which was pretty high before the break. Uh, so let's talk about how that's calculated, how they look at that. So Part B and Part D, the premiums that you pay are based on the income that is the most recent income reported on your most recent tax return. The Part B and Part D 
premiums are adjusted every year. So at the beginning of every year, the Medicare, um, the the uh, Social Security Administration through Medicare is actually going to apply what's known as an income-related monthly adjustment amount, abbreviated IRMA, for anyone over a certain threshold from an income standpoint. That income standpoint for 2020 for a married filing joint taxpayer is $174,000. So if you made over $174,000 on a married filing joint tax return, you're going to be subject to an income-related monthly adjustment amount on your Part B and potentially Part D premiums. You can go to Medicare.gov and see the list of amounts depending on what your income is, but the the base Part B premium is $144.60. The highest for anybody over $750,000 of married filing joint income is $491.60. Now, Mike, this is going to apply to the tax return that was filed two years ago. So what happened in the beginning of 2020 is the IRMA adjustment was applied, but it was based on anybody's tax return on uh, filed in 2018, 2018. Or, or, I'm sorry, filed in 2019 for the 2018 year. tax year. Mm-hmm. So that is really in and of itself where some of the potential planning techniques and strategies lend itself. So th- because you haven't filed your 2019 tax return at the beginning of 2020, they have to look back to the 2018 tax year. So anybody that has income over the threshold has to potentially pay a Part B premium. However, There are options that you have if you meet some criteria, which the um, Social Security Administration defines as either a qualifying event or a tax return that is inaccurate or out of date. So if you filed a tax return, had to amend it, income is much lower on that amended return than initially filed, and the Social Security Administration is applying the IRMA, the adjustment, the surtax amount, you can appeal that by notifying them of your amended return. So that's an important component to understand, and we've helped clients actually do this in some occasions of where they filed an amended return, or better yet, when they are approaching their 65th birthday, they're going to apply for Medicare Parts A and B. We actually had a client that was turning 65 April, May, May, something along that lines. Mm -hmm. They were eligible to apply for Medicare three months prior to their 65th birthday, they had not filed their most recent tax return yet. The previous year, they had been working, and they had received um, a payout from their employer plus their, their uh, annual wage, so their income was going to be over the threshold. But we recommended delay enrolling in social or in Medicare until you've actually filed your most recent tax return, which would reflect the fact that you retired mid-year and you would be under that IRMA limit, so you're not going to be paying a surtax. So we told them, Don't apply for Medicare right away. Go ahead and file your tax return. They did. Then we told them when you go in and apply for Medicare, notify the Social Security Administration that you have filed a tax return that is more recent than the one they're naturally going to look back to. Social Security Administration did that. They actually took the most recent tax return, which for this person was one that they had just filed a couple of months prior. Mm -hmm. Medicare Part B and Part D premiums were based on that tax return. So we save them the hassle of having to appeal, which is the next process that we'll talk about. Yeah. So, so someone who just turned 65, they're going to look at your most recent tax return, but after that, it's going to go back two years? Correct. So what happens, let's say somebody turns 65 in June. They're going to look, to look at the most recent tax return. If that most recent tax return is higher, the income is higher than the threshold, then there's going to be a surtax. Going forward, what they're going to 
do the Social Security Administration is look at the most recent tax return on January of the following year. So you you roll over into a new year, January of 2021, let's say. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at your most recent tax return, which in this case is going to be the 2019. It's possible that if you file for Medicare in the year 2020, then they're going to use the 2019 tax return potentially for two years. The year you applied, right. mid-year 2020, right. and then beginning of 2021, which is what happened with this client that I that I mentioned yeah. a few minutes ago. So a lot of people are going to say, yeah, Eddie, I, there's no way I'm going to have even more than $174,000 of income married filing jointly and certainly not 750000 of income. But they're not thinking about they might have some kind of a liquidity event during a year. And, and that could be that would be included as part of your income that year. Correct. And Mike, especially in light of some of the recent tax law changes with inherited IRAs and mm-hmm. those types of, of issues, if you get into a situation where you have to start taking money out over a shorter period of time, it could com- potentially condense and compress the tax brackets. And so that $174,000 may not seem achievable at this point. But if you sell a vacation property, if you inherit some land and it appreciates after you've inherited it and you sell it many years later, there's a possibility that you could sneak into a higher income tax bracket. So then you've got to do some some more serious calculating because you've got the, the, the extra premium that comes from Medicare. But then if you want to take advantage of just maybe one year of having the extra premium on Medicare, so you, you essentially bunch up some income into that year so that you're only – uh, going to have that premium charged you for one year, then you've got the issue with, yeah, but how's that going to affect my my regular income tax? So if I get that might put me into a marginal bracket that's enough higher, maybe you go from the 22 to 32 percent bracket and that extra 10 percent may cost you more than just not doing that and paying the extra premium for a, a a couple of years instead of just the one. Absolutely. And, and keep in mind, but there's the unearned income Medicare tax, 3.8 percent. On any unearned income, once a married filing joint taxpayer eclipses $250,000. So there's a lot of factors that you're trying to consider when you're trying to plan around taxes. The Medicare surtax that we talked about of the Medicare Part B or Part D premiums being one component, but also tax bracket creep. So you can move into the 24 or the 32% tax bracket very easily in addition to um, really subjecting more of your unearned, unearned income to a 3.8 percent yeah. uh, surtax as well. So there's quite a few components that are working together that really behooves you to talk to professional tax professional yeah. financial advisor is really going to to dig into a little bit. Yeah, and this is where it's important uh, to work with somebody like Eddie said, with somebody that, that's familiar with all these different uh, angles and all the different moving parts that are there. And obviously, a lot of things we're just now talking about with these higher income limits only apply to a small percentage of people. But there are people listening who fall into those income limits. And so we want to make sure that you're aware, yes, we can help you with that as well. As In addition to some of the others who are, are not in that income range, and you're just talking about trying to limit the amount of Social Security that's taxable, whether it's 50% or 85%, that we're going to do that as well. But, of course, once you get to this level – that doesn't matter because 80% of it's going to be included as taxable income either way. Yes. So that's not a concern. Yes, that's exactly right. And one thing I know we're coming up on the, the bottom of the hour. Very briefly, I wanted to mention one other possibility that you can appeal your Part B premium. Let's say that you uh, retire. You have um, loss of income from an income-producing property. Let's say that your income going forward is going to be much lower 
Medicare is basing the premium on a previous year's income. If you qualify or if you have what they call a qualifying event, a life-changing event, death of a spouse, marriage, divorce, work reduction, work stoppage, loss of income from income-producing property, loss of certain pensions, you can file what's called an IRMA appeal. You can go to Medicare.gov. It will walk you through the IRMA appeal. But what you're essentially doing is you're notifying them my income has dropped and I want my Medicare Part B premium to be uh, based on that going forward, not what happened in the past. And we've helped numerous clients with this process. Okay, Eddie, great information. Eddie Holland, CPA, Certified Financial Planner and a Private Wealth Advisor at Ronald Blue Trust. Our number at the office is 800-588-7526. If you need additional information or if you want to ask a question, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and that will get you to a page that says Ask Mike a Question. That's where you can ask any question, Social Security, Medicare, or anything about money. We're here to help you answer those questions. So TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So thanks, Eddie for being with me today. Thank you, Mike. Enjoy. And we'll look forward to next week. We'll be talking more about Social Security. Have a great week.